If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. In this episode of the podcast, I'm speaking with Hayley. Hayley lives in Bendigo with her gorgeous daughter, Neve. Welcome to the podcast tonight, Hayley. I would love to start by understanding what led to you making the decision to become a solo mum by choice. Uh, thank you for having me tonight. Um, yeah, so I think uh, around sort of, I guess, my early 30s, I was starting to, I'd heard about it, whether I can't, I can't quite remember where I heard about it, but I did hear um, maybe through like a friend or something that had, had thought about it themselves and sort of thought, oh, that's, you know, quite cool and quite interesting to sort of, and maybe I just sort of put it in the back of my mind, for, mm-hmm. you know, a bit further down the track. And I just sort of had a promotion at work. So I sort of, you know, my sort of early to mid thirties and I just sort of, yeah, I put it to the side and just kind of continued on doing that. I tried a little bit of internet dating, but um, yeah, that, that didn't work out. And yeah, and then uh, about, when I was about 36, a really close friend of mine um, embarked on the solo mom by choice journey. So I really had like almost like a front row seat to her, her journey was a little different, but I sort of somewhat had a front row seat to, you know, I guess the process. And then I was there, um, you know, the day her little boy was born and all of that sort of stuff. So it was all sort of, you know, really lovely. And and then that year I then decided that I would go to, um, yeah, I guess just check out where I was at from, um, you know, check out my fertility and see, you know, once you're sort of around people that are starting to, you know, talk about those things, egg reserve, all of that, I thought, all right, let's let's do this. So I made an appointment at a clinic um, in Melbourne and it took a little while. It was maybe about three months um, to get in to see them actually. And, but I sort of wasn't in any rush. So I thought, that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah I got in to, to see them. And at that point, they didn't have um, any donor sperm, sperm available, but I'd done all like all the tests so really, I guess the information I got from them was, you know, where I was at essentially, which was just fine for my age. Did they say that they had donor sperm and they just ran out when you went there or was there something? No, was- so they were waiting for it to, um, I guess, for them to get their licensing or something like that because it was quite a new clinic. She was an experienced fertility specialist. But, but seeing, seeing her was actually, you know, great because I got some really good insight into, you know, things like supplements and, you know, acupuncture, yoga, all, you know, different kind of things that sort of might help support your fertility and sort of going on the IVF 
um, journey. So that was, I found it really quite formative anyway. Um, and then, yeah, that was sort of like, we're going to um, get it, we'll get it, we'll get it. And then I'd even actually done a counselling session with them. Okay. Um, and they were really lovely. But I think because I was still a little bit like, okay, is this for me? I, the session with that counsellor was actually something that really quite affirmed with me. Like there was some, you know, I sort of, yeah, like I guess she sort of um, asked some questions and it sort of really made me think about it a bit deeper. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is for me. So I waited a little bit longer um, and then, yeah, they just didn't have the um, donor sperm available. So I then left there and um, went to um, another clinic and I had reached out online to um, another solomon by choice and asked her just a recommendation for a specialist because I wasn't really sure where to start and I went and saw him and he was just lovely couldn't have been more kind like I almost felt like when I left there I was just like oh he was so kind and just made me feel really good but as it turned out two or three appointments with him and he was moving to his own clinic and he was leaving this clinic. So he's like, you can come with me if you want. We don't have sperm yet. We will soon. And I was like, oh, no, I've been down that track. Oh, how frustrating. <laughs> yeah. So And so what had happened was he just sort of, I guess his patients were just sort of dispersed to a couple of other fertility specialists that, you know, I guess sort of he worked closely with or I don't know how it was actually done, but we were sort of moved on to someone else. Um now, he was nice, um, but to be honest, I never felt 100% like that click, mm-hmm. um, but he was nice. I sort of sometimes was felt a bit overwhelmed in the appointments um, with him, but, you know, I, I proceeded. I was sort of already on the path, so we proceeded. Um, and so the end of 2019, I did an um, egg collection. So you um, didn't start trying with IUI? You went straight to IVF? No, so my age and just, yeah, they just... Um, the first one that I saw, um, not the, as in the love, you know, the one that I thought was all lovely and everything, um, he, that he that was his suggestion straight away. What were you, 37 at that stage? So I would have been 37 yeah, by okay. the time, yeah, by the time the collection. So then I went, str- so he did my protocol and um, and then, yeah, I went ahead and did that. And so we were going to do, um, because they were a little bit worried about um, hyperstimulation, they suggested straight up. Um, a freeze all cycle okay so um, yeah that was just sort of what what he thought and um, yeah we did we did that cycle and I think I think it was 14 um, 14 eggs I got from that Um, and then yeah and then after that he yeah so and then I sort of waited a couple of months um, before I yeah started going down the transfer her path so so when you're saying freeze all, was that freeze all eggs or did they yeah, uh, embryos? embryos. Okay, yeah. so you got 14 embryos. No, uh, eggs, and yeah. then uh, I think it was like half of that from memory now, um, something like six, and then I ended up with three frozen. So then, yeah, the first transfer I did was at the start of 2020. I'm just trying, to, yeah, 2020. Um, so that one unfortunately didn't work, but I think I that sort of you know, I mean, I've, I've definitely heard, um, you know, even listening to your podcast, I've heard of, you know, stories where it's worked, um, you know, first go for, for people, which is amazing. And But I sort of wasn't too d- deterred really because I thought, oh, well, you know, a lot of people don't get pregnant first go. So I've never really, you know, tried before. So, um, you know, 
I was like not too too I mean I was disappointed of course but I wasn't you know I sort of wasn't discouraged or anything and um and then COVID hit I was gonna say I know what's happening with this story it's 2020 (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah so but I was sort of okay again to take a breather for a minute too like that also didn't bother me I went back and saw the fertility specialist and he suggested we do um a hysteroscopy dnc just to do a bit of a you know went out just to see make sure everything was all there because I had the two embryos left and he said like well we'd hate to get to you know do the next one and it didn't work and then there was a reason why yeah so let's perhaps just like check that out so I had that scheduled for um July and then um and then I did and so that was all fine that come back no no problems there or no reasons why um it couldn't work clean out at the same time so yeah sort of funny really clean out um (laughs) and um yeah and that that was all all fine um you know easy recovery and and everything and then um I went in the August I did a second transfer um that one did take um and then I however I miscarried that one at nine weeks so yeah that was a little bit tough um and yeah, so like initially, like the HCG was quite low, but they were like, oh, and then the second blood test, it sort of rose. So there was sort of that confidence that, oh, you know, this, this might be okay. And and then when I went for my seven-week scan, it was just a little bit um, smaller in, in growth. So they're like, okay, come back in 10 days. So it's quite a, you know, quite a process that you sort of have to go through to, you know, I guess, get to the end of going, okay, well, this actually isn't, isn't going to work. So but then that was in... I September end of September start of October so that sort of really I guess knocked me a little bit probably more than I if you know I guess you don't know it till you go through it um so yeah I I sort of think that just really you know I took a little you know I guess it was maybe a few days or a week or something off work and you know I was in a management role so I sort of just jumped straight back into work and and you know wrote I guess a bit of robotic mode and and yeah, and then I just um, I decided that the following year I was going to be um, moving back to country Victoria to where I'm originally from. So I thought, you know what, now's the time to perhaps change to a fertility specialist that I was like just I felt comfortable with. Yeah. And that I sort of just felt yeah I felt that sort of because I just wasn't feeling that. And not to say that anything was his. Like there was no 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 fault from him, but it's just I don't I don't know if that makes sense, but just you kind of want to find anything that you can do that you feel like you have control over to make a difference, don't you? So yeah, and I I think just the comfort I felt like um you know I guess to be honest he sort of spoke sort of at me a little bit like just sort of telling me this is what we're going to do and I sort of obviously take their advice for sure, but you sort of just want that conversation and that sort of ease and that's sort of what I was looking for. Had a recommendation from a really close friend from yeah my hometown, so I spoke to her and made an appointment for December that year. And yeah, she, she was like, okay, so straight away she was like, let's do another cycle. Like even if you want, you uh, you know, the embryo, I did. I still had yeah. one, yeah. but she's like, look, if you if you want at that stage and and still now probably I'm a little bit undecided um, about having second. Um, baby but at that point she was like if you're undecided also it's better to do a cycle now <laughs> you know younger younger eggs let's let's do that now so um yeah but she was lovely and yeah she was really kind and just yeah it just it felt 
it felt nice. Like it just sort of, I left the appointment feeling really, really good. And, and was this with a different clinic or was it just a different doctor? Same clinic. So she still worked under the, yeah, the, the banner of that clinic, but it was just, she was the specialist in, um, from there and yeah, I was able to so and also too because I was living in Melbourne um, at the time I was still able to do everything still at the same hospitals like where I got blood tests and procedures and all of that sort of stuff so that was really great as well and then I could either come you know come back and see her for an in-person appointment or I could do Zoom so until obviously I, I relocate so yeah that was really good and um, yeah kicked off the new year of um 2021 with a new um yeah egg collection so um which was yeah really good and and it was sort of funny I I went into that a lot more a lot calmer um as well like there just was a bit more of a I don't I don't I don't know yeah relaxed relaxed vibe or something yeah I just went into that a different headspace I think the fertility and, specialist you go with can make such a difference to that, though, can't it? And if yeah, yeah, it really did. In them, it really makes you more more calm going into it. Yeah, yeah, it does. And and I just sort of thought, look, you know, we tried a little bit of a different protocol as well, and and really just the outcome. Um, I just yeah, I thought, well, wherever it lands, then you know, it'll it'll be okay. So, in this particular egg retrieval, I only got um, seven, mm-hmm. but six fertilized. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, and so, and out of that cycle, I, I had five. And then cheek testing, yes. And, um, and yeah, and so uh, three of those come back all completely all good. And then one just, there was a couple there that just only got to day five, so they couldn't actually do the testing. Not to say that there was any problems um, with them. They just didn't get to that day six day where they do the testing. So I still have them. Um, they're just untested, so no different to, a, I guess, an untested cycle. And was this using the same donor that you used for the first cycle? Yeah, it was, yes. Okay. Yeah, so it, it, it was. So, sorry, I might have skipped past the, <laughs> the, donor, the donor bit. Um, but, yeah, because I'd still have the embryo, mm-hmm. I would link to him. Ah, okay. So, while you, yes. So, I guess, and, and how I was able to, um, that was probably one of my, a little bit of a, of a worry, I guess, to find a donor that I just felt completely like at ease with, mm-hmm. like and go, okay, I'm really comfortable with my choice. And, um, and I did. So I was sort of really, really happy with that. Um, it was a really lovely, like, I guess, reasons why he chose to donate, which I thought was, you know, really nice. And especially down the track for, you know, future, I thought future children to read this. So I thought it was just, it gave a really good insight. Um, so, you know, and, and I'd sort of got to, because I was, um, going from that first doctor to his colleague, sorry, I'm jumping back a little bit, but his colleague, um, he, like, I had to get some paperwork signed, like my protocol, something to be able to lock the donor in. I can't quite remember what it was, but I spoke to the, the lady that sort of looks after all of that. And she. He was like, okay, you shouldn't, you know, be, I guess, um, disadvantaged, I suppose, um, because, you know, of the paperwork mm-hmm. with the doctors and the doctor leaving and all of that. So she's like, all right, I'll, first choice, I'll give you the first, you know, your first choice. So that's fine. So I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah. I didn't even have to find a second one because I couldn't, I, I didn't have a second. So I was able to, yeah, because I was staying, even though I changed doctors, I stayed with the, the same facility. It was, it was, it was all fine. So after that too, I had, um, I think it was just the month 
month break. So yeah, so that cycle went really well and I felt really good coming into that new year. Um, and so then I had a, then my next transfer was uh, March um, of that year. And that one I got a, it was with P, uh, a tested embryo and I got a chemical um, pregnancy mm. that one. So yeah, that's kind of a little bit, that was a little bit like, oh, you know, it, um, yeah, the sort of the positive test and then, um, and then, yeah, that didn't, and then it's like, okay, and then next minute, actually, no. Um, so that was a bit tricky and that was like right on Easter, I think it was. So that was sort of, you know, a little bit like, oh, it was just sort of, a, a, you know, a rough, a rough weekend. And, um, and then the following month, I'd actually um, already organised to go on a retreat mm -hmm. up um, in, in um, yeah, sort of, just sort of in North, uh, New South Wales on the border of Queensland. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to like go to that. It was too hard to sort of juggle and try and find, a, you know, work with dates and all of that sort of stuff. So I thought, you know what, let's just, you know, I, I really wanted to go on this and let's just do it. So it was actually, it was probably the best thing I did, to be honest, too. Like it was just such a nice three days away. Yeah. And it was, yeah, I think sort of, um, again, you know, I guess shifted the headspace a little bit and just, um, yeah, it just was, like, and also probably too, I was probably still without realising without realizing it was probably carrying a little bit of the weight of of the year before and and so that was you know really I guess a bit of the fear around you know you know yeah getting getting pregnant again and all of that sort of thing so I think like I said it was actually a really good timing and and all of that because um yeah then the next month um another transfer and that one worked <laughs> and that's yeah so that was um yeah that was my little niece. Brilliant. Yeah. And so were you quite nervous once you got the the positive result because you had been through oh, the, I had a, the chemical? I, yes. Yeah. 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 I did. I almost to be well to be honest, I had a little bit of a panic attack. I was like, I called my friend, and it was funny. She thought I was calling to wish her little girl happy birthday. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, sorry, I completely forgot. <laughs> happy birthday, but you know, so um. And that, that was why she answered. So it was actually quite good because it was almost like right on dinner time. That I, and I tested it something like day six. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and yeah, it was just that, oh, gosh, that fear of something going wrong. But then I'm like, you know, no, you know, it's also just excited. All the, It was just like all the emotions, <laughs> all the emotions at once. Yeah. At what point did it kind of sink in that actually this was real and this was happening this time? Oh, do you know what I, I, I don't know I I don't know that I ever really if I'm being really honest I really settled in mm -hmm. without any fear I mean certainly as the scans and the progress of the pregnancy went on um but I just I don't know I just don't think I ever completely um lost that that fear yeah. now looking back because um and the pregnancy wasn't straightforward so I guess there was also that um yeah so it's yeah I think that yeah but I mean obviously yeah as the scans went on and you know things things were, were okay I sort of I think it's happening <laughs> it was real and then when obviously when I found out the gender too that was also like I really felt like I needed to do that because again it sort of solidified it for me it made it a bit more real and so pregnancy was not easy 
No, not really. Um, the first, I mean, the first little while was fine. Um, maybe up to like in terms of like, um, I, I didn't really get a lot of um, sickness or anything like that. Indigestion, yes. Um, carpal tunnel, like a few of these really interesting um, ones that I didn't expect to have. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So at twenty weeks, I found out I had major grade placenta previa. So, yeah, so again, that was, you know, I had to then be on the watch out for any bleeding, any, and then if there was any bleeding, I had to go straight to the hospital and, you know, all of this kind of thing, you know. So, again, I, and I remember I was in, you know, getting scanned. Um, I was still coming to Melbourne to get my scans, and, and um, I, I just sort of was getting a little bit teary. I was like, oh gosh, you know, you sort of get, you felt, I felt like at that 20 week, even though everything was completely fine with the baby, I sort of thought I was past that, having to, you know, monitor that, like monitor the bleeding, and monitor, you know, all of that sort of stuff. You know, I thought, oh, 20 weeks, but now it was sort of like, you know, oh, no, still, still have to do that. <laughs> so, so had you moved to country Victoria by the stage and you were driving to Melbourne for scans? Um, by my 20 week one I had, yeah. So I moved at 17 weeks. So, um, yeah, I, I, I decided to, um, so I'd sold my, my place there and then I was um, building um, up, up there. And so I moved in with my parents when I um, when I got home and because the house wasn't quite finished yet. So, yeah, so it was about 17 weeks. So, again, yeah, packing up a house and moving <laughs> 17 weeks oh, took it out of me. But it was um, really good to, yeah, finally get sort of a bit more, you know, organised and, and, and settled and settled back home. So yeah, so by, by my 20th one, when I found this information out, yeah, I, I just moved home. It wasn't just a partial, it was like, you know, like I, I think they, I think they said it was like grade, grade four. So, and, and um, an obstetrician had to come in and have a look at my scan every time I got scanned. Cause they also then worry about, there's other things that can, you know, that can actually lead to. So um, yeah, so, so there was, Definite um, C-section. There was no, yes, you know, block, blocking the exit. There was no way, no way around it. Um, yeah. And which was which was okay, I suppose. Um, you know, I think maybe because I sort of did have the, those anxious feelings. You know, I guess there was that element of certainty of, you know, the birth at least. I mean, not that when she's coming and how she's coming out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and I and and a, and a date and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so um, as it turned out, the placenta previa for, yeah, really up until um, 30, probably about, so I'd have a scan, sorry, at 28 weeks, 32 weeks and all that just to check because with placenta previa, they, um, the, the placenta can sometimes start to, um, I guess, pack it up a little bit and, and then, yeah. you know, the nourishment to the baby and that can obviously um, cause some growth um restrictions so yeah so they just monitor that um she wasn't a big mover either so that also um i guess added to <laughs> that those sort of anxious feelings she didn't really move a lot is it with placenta preview that it's harder to feel as well uh, potentially potentially mm -hmm. and uh depending on what the position she was in too yeah so i didn't really feel anything sort of down i guess down low but um but yeah, so I, I and again, you know, so that was sort of a bit like, oh, you know. which is not not good when you need that. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. So um, and then I think it was about twenty eight weeks. Um, I got high blood pressure, 
So again, I'd never had any blood pressure issues before um, in my life. And then, you know, yeah, pregnancy is just a game changer and um, <laughs> in so many ways. Um, and so, yeah, they, yeah, it really sort of got a little bit, um, a little bit higher that the doctor was, yeah, quite worried. So I went on some medication for that. So that kind of kept that at bay. So I think probably what with with the pregnancy, I guess in my mind was everything was this could happen. It could happen. It could. So for me, I that you know when I yeah I, I guess that's probably also why I sort of never really was like that's oh, going to be okay. You know, like there was all these sort of little like pitfalls that I just had to keep an eye out for. Even though the scans, you know, the 28 and 32 week scans um, were, were okay, um, I got to um, so at a, at 33 weeks exactly, um, I had been to the physio and because I had sort of lower back pain and and all the things and I'd sort of moved all of like you know when you sort of go to anything like that you're kind of going from one side to the other side to so you're moving all around and I just, I got out to the car and there was just no movement. And I'm just like, oh, like this, just I sort of thinking for the amount that I was rolling around and she was sort of moving around with my, my tummy and stretches and all the things I just didn't feel, there was something that just, I just didn't feel, feel right. And um, so I called the midwife and they were amazing. And they're like, come in, you know, no worries, just come in and get checked. So I went in and got checked. Um, everything was okay. Um, but that kind of, you know, I guess that day, that was sort of the first day of things sort of starting to, you know, I guess, um, yeah, in motion, I suppose. Um, and then on the, uh, yeah, so they sort of sent me home on the Friday and, and it was okay. And, and then, on, and then she, if she did move, she sort of moved in the evening more. So on the Saturday, I just sort of was like, okay, well, I'll just try and relax and then get to the evening and then, you know, get into bed and all the things and just see after I've eaten, done all the things that, you know, people say you can do. And it just, yeah, she just wasn't moving. So my mum come in and I was like quite upset. And so, I, and again, the clinic's closed on a Saturday. So I called. So the birth suite, but the hospital's amazing. Like they just were so good. So they're like coming to birth suite. So I went in and again, they monitored me and I was there till quite late that night. And they were just sort of, they could, they were getting, like I had a bedside ultrasound and, and all of that kind of thing. And they could see her and everything fine, but she just wasn't that active. So they're like, mm -hmm. okay, you can go home, but we want you to come back at eight in, eight in the morning. <laughs> you know, so this was something like 11.30. Um, I thought I'd sleep better at home. They weren't going to do anything, you know, in that time period so I went home then on the Sunday I went in on the Sunday and the trace like that I was on the monitors and it was perfect and it was within an hour everything was all okay so they sent me home <laughs> little minx yeah yeah yep. <laughs> they sent me home and then on the Monday um so from that point then they're like look okay we want you sort of coming in for the next few days to sort of just rather than you have to call up and worry and and also to just given that this was sort of the second time in a couple of days reduced movement and all of that they're like let's just for this next week come in for the next sort of few days in a row um so on the monday i went in um what sort of started out i guess as a normal monitoring the midwife then sort of started to um like go hey we're just going to move you over to the bed 
Um, and I was like, okay. And they're like, the next minute they'd lost the trace and they did a met call and I was like laying there and I, all of a sudden I had like four midwives around me. One had given me the steroid shot and they were like, you know, and then the doctor was amazing. He was like, and then I got the ultrasound and they got her up and, and, and they're like, hey, look, she's there, she's there. You know, I was sort of panicking a little bit by that stage. Um, and then it was kind of like it all went to like from zero to 100 and then almost back down to zero again within like 40 minutes. I was they're like very stressful 40 minutes, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And so um, they're like, we want you to go down, have an ultrasound, check the cord and see if there's good blood flow, all of that kind of thing. And they're like, grab something to eat. So I rang my sister-in-law and I was just like, I don't know what just happened then. I was like, one minute I've got like, and they'd put like a, a thing in my arm for like the bung in my arm ready to go if I needed to. And and then here I am like, just, you know, having a chicken schnitzel wrap after like, you know, 10 minutes or sorry, 40 minutes ago, I was like potentially going to have a, a C-section. Like it, like my head was just spinning and and yeah, I just didn't know like what was what what was happening anyway. So we went back upstairs. I went back upstairs and um and they're like, okay, so get you back on. The trace was okay. And then the head of obstetrics come in and he said, all right, we'll have you back tomorrow. He said we're fairly comfortable that the next 24 hours everything's okay. The you know, um, they weren't sure if she was just grabbing the cord and then letting it go or what what was happening. They weren't too sure. So that. So that was all fine, but I had to come back the next day anyway because you can only have the steroid shots once, but you've got to have them 24 hours apart. So I had to go, okay. yeah, so you go get the second one and I had to go and do that on the following day. So I was going, you know, so I think it was midday I had to be back in for that day. So I went back in the following on the, on the Tuesday. I was 33 plus four and, um, yeah, I was laying there and um, I had the steroid shot and then, Maybe about half an hour, I'd been there maybe, oh, yeah, or maybe yeah, half an hour or something like that. Um, and the the obstetrician that was the consultant that was there that day, um, she come in and she said, Haley, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit iffy with this trace. I'm just, I'm going to keep watching you. I, I want you to stay longer. So I was like, okay. So I stayed, I think, and then I was just messaging some friends and I was just letting mum know I'm just here for a bit longer. So you're all by yourself in the hospital for this? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, so they couldn't have any like in the yeah you couldn't have any support person in the um okay. in the clinic. Yeah, but if you're in birth suite, you could um you could have one person. But yeah, I was I was in the clinic. So um and then I had um and then yeah a friend of mine was like I'm gonna see if I can come up and see you. You know like I was like okay um see and then I had another friend that actually worked at the hospital too. So um so yeah I was I was chatting to them and then yeah probably I guess it was something like a few hours later she comes in and um she said yeah definitely not happy with this trace we're gonna get her out now and I was like I just I yeah I was like I, I was in shock a little bit um and then they said we're gonna move you around to birth suite and we're gonna get you ready and call who you need to call Are you still working at this point no, so I'd because of my blood pressure, I'd finished at 32 weeks. So I'd okay. had one week and two days <laughs> of that yeah. So, yeah, not long at all. I think I'd got my hair done and that was about all as I'd achieved. There was nothing. But you were expecting like eight weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. yeah, something like it was, it was planned for 37 weeks. 
so mid-January. Yeah. So the due date was Feb. Yeah, start of Feb. So I was like, okay. So they wheeled me around and, um, and yeah, I got around to birth suite. And then, yeah, all of us, you know, I just had all the people again. You're just sort of laying there and <laughs> there's just... Yeah, it was just a flurry of activity, and um, and then I and then I had I actually had two friends in there. So the one friend that was going to come in with me, um, and then my friend that worked there. So I think I kind of because she was in scrubs, I think they sort of didn't notice her, and so I kind of got a bonus friend <laughs> in there at the time. So it was kind of good. So I had a bit of support there, um, and then um, yeah, and so they then just they had, they had because of the preview, they had to come in and do an ultrasound and do all these sort of you know things, I guess, to check the positions and just everything like that. I don't know if that's what normally happens, but I think that's what they seem to, they they were needing to do. Um, so yeah, I, I was wheeled down um, and yeah. And actually the consultant that was working, she was originally, that was working in the clinic was originally going to perform it, but she didn't, but she come down with me anyway. And it ended up yeah. being the biggest blessing because she sat with me sort of up at my end and, you know, and she didn't have to do that at all. Like she, you know, stayed. And so it was really good because she talked me through a lot of everything, uh, you know, as well. So, you know, which, which was great. So, yeah. So then they put, with placenta preview too, there's also a really high risk, like risk of like bleeding. Um, and yeah, yeah, I remember when I was signing the consent forms for the C-section that, scariest things it's like it's literally a long list of all the things that could go wrong <laughs> I don't need to know all these things that can go wrong I just need to know that you know how to sort them out if they do <laughs> I'm like you don't need to tell me all the you know scary things but anyway so we, yeah so that so that was one of the major factors um yeah for, for me originally gonna having going to have her at 37 weeks because of yeah some some risk to me as well so, so the, I was getting, so I was getting like double lines in me because if they needed to give me blood and do all the things. So I was really kitted up <laughs> before I, before I went in. So I had it on my, like my front of my hand on each arm. And by that stage though, I was just like, whatever, <laughs> like, you know, you, I'd kind of just like, whatever you just need. Just get everyone out healthy, please. Yeah, exactly. I'll like, do whatever you need to do. Um, anyway, yeah. so we got in there and. It, it all it all was pretty from from my perspective like my like um, well-being it was all straightforward um even when I, I said the, the the doctor was like this was actually you know really straightforward quite boring actually she said I was expecting these to be far more <laughs> you know far more interesting and I was like but but in terms of with me that was she was the drama I was <laughs> where we thought it'd be the other way around but yeah she turned out yeah. to need quite a bit of help um when she was born so, um, and again, I don't think I was probably, I think they sort of shielded me a little bit of, of, yeah. of what was going on. Um, so they got her out um, and they come over to me and they said, look, you know, they needed, they did a met call. Um, they did a, did a code blue because she needed CPR. Yeah, so they said, look, like I guess from, you know, they come over to me and they just said, you know, there's going to be a lot of people rushing in. Um, everything's okay. We just need extra hands. I guess that's sort of you know how they explained it to me, and you know, and and that was okay. And then um, another doctor come over to me, and it was funny. She pulled sort of her scrub mask down and said hi, and it was actually someone I went to to school with, <laughs> you know, a, a pediatrician. So I'm like, you know, that's that's small town living. Um, 
but you know I couldn't have been honestly more grateful to see you know a face I just knew I hadn't seen it for a very long time but it was really nice to to see a face that that I knew and they they said look they come over and they said look I think she's going to need to go to Melbourne um so I was like okay um and again I I, I, I sort of think back about it now and I think there must have been some parts that I just wasn't processing at the time because I mean I was obviously really really concerned but I sort of look back now and I almost see it as like I don't know I guess it happened to someone else like I can kind of look at it from a really outside you're also on some pretty awesome drugs for them to have just chopped you open yeah like it just was really I was but but I was like okay and then um they sort of yeah I guess they um intubated her and um, and they put her in the isolate and I sort of got to sort of see her a little bit as she went past. <laughs> so that was a bit hard. And then the... Oh, so you hadn't held her or anything? At that no, point? I hadn't even seen her. Oh, yeah, okay. so that was really, that, yeah, that was very, very hard. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and then after after that, they sort of said to me, so my, like, the girl, to the doctor I went to school with, she said, can I take some photos for you? And I'll, you know, I'll send them to you. I was like, thank you. And so I was laying there and, yeah, they they sort of said to me, does she have a name? And I had, like, you know, I guess a couple of names that I'd thought of, but I sort of felt like I just had to make a, <laughs> make a decision. So I just, you know, made, made the decision. I had probably two or three that I thought, oh, I'll get up to the room and, you know, I'll, like, have, I mean, not that I'm, like, oh, I'll see what she looks like or anything, but I'll just sort of, like, have a bit of a yeah. think. That's <laughs> one. Yeah, exactly. But, no, I just sort of went, went with... Neve was sort of the front runner anyway, but I was just like, yep, Neve. Um, anyway, so yeah, they took her up and then I went to recovery and um, which was nice. I was getting some photos through on my phone and um, and then, so she was 1.58 um, in weight. Yeah, so she hadn't really grown a whole lot since about 32 weeks. Um, and then, yeah, they wheeled me into the special care and um and it was like just an absolute like craziness. There was just so much activity going on. And I remember just sort of, I was sort of in the foyer of it. And there was like a, a um, I, I guess a treatment room that they were all working on her. And so I was sort of there and I had my friend and, and um, yeah, they just, I, I sort of didn't know what was going on really. Um, they just, they kept coming, you know, I guess I didn't, yeah, sort of coming out going, it's okay, it's okay, we're sort of, we're stabilising her and all of this sort of stuff. And then, like, I was laying there and then the next thing, like, the pilots walk in and the, the, the Piper doctors walk in that were going to fly her to Melbourne. So I was just sort of, and I was just like, oh, okay. So that was quite, you know, an overwhelming sight. <laughs> and um, so then the, the Piper doctors go in and, um and then they sort of help, I guess, stabilise her and get her ready to fly. Um, yeah, and, and so that was all a bit, yeah, a lot. <laughs> so they, then they, they sort of said, you know, they took me back to, I guess, the, where was I, the back to the, um, not, uh, not the, the, well, I guess wherever, I, can't, I actually can't remember where they took me back, but um, back to a room like I got I guess refreshed I suppose I can't think of the right word but just sort of um I, you know from from the procedure and all of that sort of stuff and 
um, and gave me some pain medication, you know, just all of that. And then they said, you know, and then they come back and they said, you know, we'll wheel you down um, to see her before she goes. Um, so, yeah, I headed back down and, sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional. <laughs> then, yeah, I headed back down and then the Piper doctor come, come out and they said, you know, she's, um, she's really sick. And, you know, and I need you to know she's really sick. So it was, yeah, I guess it was like that was preparing me. But I guess something, well, I guess bad news. And, and they said, we don't know. She may have had a seizure. Um, we, we can't, obviously, we couldn't obviously test her. Sorry, I can sometimes tell this story and be completely fine. And okay. sometimes... It's doing really well. Um, yeah, yeah, and so... That, yeah, they, um, yeah, they said, like, I guess, I mean, I can't quite remember now, but it just was sort of just telling me all the things that that weren't right. Um, and I just remember saying, and they went and got my friend, and so they brought her around, so she didn't know what was sort of going on either. And, and they just said, you know, yeah, they just said, it's just like, as long as you know, you're aware of all the things. And, um, and they said, we're going to, and I was like, just take her, like, go, go do what you need to do. You know, that was all that was important to me. Um, I didn't want to hold them up or anything like that. Um, and so they took me into the room. And I guess that was sort of the first time that I got to see her. But she was just, she had this hat on that was just literally like, it looked like it nearly cover her whole, her whole head. It was just so big. And, um, yeah, and so I was able just to sort of put my hand in and touch her hand. And, and then, yeah, she headed off. And um, I went back to the room. You didn't get to go with her? No, they just flew her, yeah. So <laughs> they were going to hopefully get me down tomorrow, like the next day. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, that would have been um, so yeah. hard to let your little girl go. Yeah. Because wow. like, I just remember laying, um, you know, in bed and I heard like the chopper go and I was just like, oh. So, anyway, so um, the the nurses come in and they gave me a sleeping tablet, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> you wouldn't have slept otherwise, I no. do say. But, um, no. but yeah, so I slept for a few hours and then I got a text message. From, which was kind of, it was just, I, I wasn't expecting the text message. I was kind of odd. Um, and it was um, the Piper doctor saying, you know, hi, Hayley, Neve travelled stable. She's now at the Mercy. Um, and, you know, these are, this is her number, uh, her number to her bed. So, you know, because they have one-on-one -on -one care um, there. So I was able to then call directly to the nurse um and and I had a midwife sit with me and and we called and um yeah the nurse was lovely and sort of talked about what they you know what they'd done um what they'd given her um and and that she was stable and and all of that sort of stuff so yeah that was um that was the so I can't quite remember maybe about midnight sort of a bit of a blur <laughs> that night um, and then I think I woke up again around three um, and I called again. Like I sort of gave, I sort of thought to myself, like, 
I need to kind of give it a few like a few hours because I thought you know there will you know just enough time for there if there was any changes and they said they'd call me if there was anything you know major update or anything like that so yeah so then I um yeah I then and then I think again the next morning and they were working on getting me um getting a patient transfer down there that day so um but then I called so the next morning um, I had, again, the doctor, the consultant that sat with me. I had my fertility specialist. I had the registrar that was on and I had the anaesthetist all come and see me. I thought, oh, my God, they all, geez, it must have been bad. <laughs> I thought all the, they were just all felt so sorry for me, I think. Um, and they all were sitting with me and making sure I was okay and <laughs> all the things. I couldn't have been, you know, they couldn't have been kinder and more sort of empathetic to to what was happening and even a couple of the doctors so my fertility specialist as well sat with me while I called the and got an update from the doctor the next morning just because if there was some things that I didn't quite understand or well, I don't think you hear what they're saying either it's nice to have someone else in the room to pick up the things that you missed yeah too. yeah so and so plus that understanding the, the medical jargon for you yeah and so some of the things that they were saying like you know my, my doctor's like that's positive that's really good that's really good so it was kind of nice to hear that. And then I think that day just kind of went, like my parents, um, my dad, my car was still in the car park. So <laughs> my dad come to get my keys to pick that up and then mum brought my clothes and all, you know, all my things and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, sort of that day. And then even that night, like, like I was like, you know, I think it was maybe five hours after um, my C-section, I'm like, I'm getting up. Um, you know, I'm going to the, to the toilet, I'm going to, you know, all of the things because I'm like, if I've got to get down there tomorrow, <laughs> I'm getting up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I'll be okay. Get me to my get, baby. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I just like whatever I need to do. So, um, yeah, the next day was sort of just yeah, getting ready and organised and then, yeah, the, I went down by patient transfer. And let me tell you, that was an experience, going down yeah the the high or the freeway with like I felt every bump in the road <laughs> oh god with a c-section as well oh why do the ambulances have suspension <laughs> I'm like surely people when they're injured they need a bit of you know comfort in the in the suspension of the vehicle I don't know but the lady was so beautiful she was like trying to warn me every time we'd go over a bump <laughs> and um but yeah anyway but it was okay we, I got there and um and then yeah I think it was sort of early or yeah in the evening I got they took me like they they had to like admit me and do all the things but one this one nurse that just come in and she's like we'll do all that later just get her to see her baby like let's do all this kind of paperwork and bits and pieces and all that sort of stuff that this can wait she's had a COVID test you know I had to just obviously do all that they did that straight away um yeah just get her in a wheelchair and get her around so I was like so thankful for that nurse just to sort of step in and and, and take charge um anyway yeah so I got around there to see her and oh like I mean one hand it was like it was just so good to see her and then it was just such an overwhelming sight <laughs> she had so like she was just covered in cords and because um, and because they sort of suspected that she um, had had that seizure, they she had like a little like head headgear on, 
um, that was sort of monitoring, yeah, sort of the brain activity. But um, I mean, it, it turned out that there was no no issue there. Um, and after six days, all the neuro ops and everything were all completely fine. So that was all all okay. Um, but yeah, so we spent um, yeah, Neve's first Christmas because this was the she was born, you know, 21, 12, 21. <laughs> so, That's a cool day. Yeah, good birthday. Um, and then, yeah, so Christmas Eve, I moved into just some accommodation nearby. Um, and my brother and um, and my sister and my nieces come down to see me. Um, they took me over to where I'm staying. Um, and then, yeah, Chris, and then Christmas Day, my parents come down. We had breakfast. Um, and then, yeah, I just wanted to be at the hospital anyway. Like, it, it, I didn't care. It was, you know, it was just. Could anyone else visit her or was it pretty isolated with just um, They, yeah, well, they, I could, but it, if it was going to be a support person, it had to be the same person, which was yeah. a little tricky with, you know, especially over Christmas that everyone was sort of travelling or they were, you know, weren't. I, I mean, I have, you know, quite a few friends in Melbourne, but. It was yeah a lot of people were sort of whether they were heading home to their you know families or or whatnot so um yeah it, it was okay um and there's sort of some people oh, sorry some other parents in there that you sort of just see every day so you kind of chat to like there was a really lovely a lovely lady there and it's sort of funny until you sort of and then you lose touch you're like oh you share this kind of you know this bond and then you kind of I wonder what ever happened to to them you know we were down there for um, a couple of weeks and she progressed really well. So she never, she never regressed, which was, which was good. She um, was off, like she sort of gradually moved off, you know, her respiratory support and, um, and, and I, and I probably hadn't fully absorbed what had happened with her birth and everything because, but every single time a doctor or a nurse took over, they were like, like I, this look on their face. So they'd read notes and they'd just get the, this look on their face. They're like, she had a rough start, didn't she? I, I, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time someone someone had said that to me, truly it was, it was yeah, it was crazy. So, um, so, yeah, so she just sort of moved sort of from the NICU to then to high dependency and then to special care. Um, and then, yeah, we just waited for, a, we had to then, once we sort of got to the point of, you know, she was off, completely off respiratory support and she could, um, you know, they were happy with her maintaining her temperature and putting on weight and um, all of that kind of thing. Um, yeah, they just were waiting for a spot, yeah, to transfer her back. So it wasn't a case of you got to take her home or was she gets to a certain age and then she goes to Bendigo and then you can take her home? To take her home, it was... They wanted her over two kilos um, and and she had to obviously, she was still on a feeding tube when she moved to Bendigo, like the hospital there. So they were a level two hospital. So she just had to um, be off respiratory support and all that sort of stuff. So they sort of were more feed and grow, they called it. Um, yeah, so it was, um, but she still had to, like even before we left, like she had to have, you know, cranial ultrasounds and she had to have like you know I guess um uh just different kind of um procedures just like sort of circling back from her birth to where she was at then we had they had to keep sort of having these procedures just to check that everything was still tracking so it was still quite nerve-wracking every time you know 
like you'd be just sitting there and they just kind of wheel the wheel the ultrasound machine around or something you know like you just wouldn't know when they were coming and yeah so there was still all that that they had to do and and I guess once they were happy with that then yeah they were okay to move her so um, but she still she left with the the um, feeding tube like to yeah she left Melbourne with that and and then really to go home yeah she just had to have all suck feeds and be over two kilos so we got to that, obviously. Yeah, we got to that. Um, yeah, so that was another couple of weeks in Bendigo. Um, so that was also a bit of, an, uh, I guess, an experience um, going back there too. So the first night I got um, back from from Melbourne was the very first night I stayed in my new house as well. <laughs> yeah, so she was, oh, I can't, yeah, I was going to say, I can't quite remember the weight. I was trying to think of the weight, but it was, it was probably um, more the feeding by the time I got to Bendigo than the weight. Um, yeah. And then I was just sort of expressing and, um, and, and yeah, trying to do that as much as I can. Um, but, yeah, that was, I mean, I guess, you know, I sort of felt really um, throughout the whole, I guess, month that she was in, you know, this NICU and in special care was like that was at least something I could do. <laughs> you know, you sort of do feel quite helpless. She, she did really, did really well um, and... Um, yeah, sort of. She really liked the bottle much more than 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 breastfeeding because I guess in a way it was sort of instant <laughs> for her. She didn't have to work hard for it. Um, so yes, but so that was kind of good. And then the nurses then you know overnight could feed her with the bottle and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but yeah, then then she come yeah then she come home sort of the end of January. So that would have been just before forty weeks then. Uh, yeah, just yes. And so since she's been home, have you had any other challenges or has it just been? Yeah. Oh, no, I definitely have had some, I think, it, in those early days, I think once I got home, um, because, you know, I sort of had to just, you know, show up there and be there for her, I, I didn't really, again, process a lot of everything that had happened until probably I got home. And I still then realised I had quite a bit of anxiety around, you know, her respiratory um issues even though she'd never regressed during the time but it's also her coming off all the machines and her you know right up until I think only 24 hours before um her coming home from from hospital she was you know on a you know still still with her stats and it still it's you know like it just gave you that reassurance so I think coming home to that and I know there's sort of um some you know things that you can get now you know, I, I know some people have them that can monitor the their heart rate and their oxygen levels and all of that, but they they sort of said to me, like, look at your baby. Like, a lot of people, sometimes people use those um, those numbers that they, you, that, you know, that's what the special care nurses were sort of trying to say to me. You'll learn more and you'll get to know her better and you'll, you know, you'll know if something's wrong by looking at her. You don't need to worry about these numbers. So... You know, I, um, yeah, I then, I think that was really hard for me though. And, and they even said parents usually have a harder time coming off those machines and the babies do. It's usually like more of a withdrawal for them. We're well, used to something else supporting it, aren't you? That you're just like, oh, if it's not there, is it going to work? And how will I know if it's not? And yeah, no, I can imagine what my brain would be doing in the same situation. Yeah, so I just didn't do it at all. So. Um, but yeah, so initially I had my sister-in-law stayed with me, um, which was 
I mean, amazing. So I've even joked to my friends who, you know, if you have partners, I was like, you don't need to have like your husband or whatever staying through. I said, you need like somebody like my sister-in-law who's had like four kids. <laughs> like she almost like preempted things that I would need that I didn't even know I needed. So I was like, that's what you need when you come home from hospital. <laughs> so um, I said, she, yeah, so that was amazing. And I was like, you know, didn't, it was, it was tough when she left. And then I, so my parents just really sort of took in terms sort of, you know, being there or they're both there or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, that was sort of for the first three months. And then, um, but yeah, I still sort of found like I was probably just, still had sort of that I guess that I guess postnatal anxiety really was was what it was and and that were, the hospital were again were amazing and I had you know people check in and you know there was like the they have like a psychologist um as a part of the women's it's clinic good. and yeah she would give me a call and we'd have a chat and I still speak to her you know um monthly now so you know that doesn't cost you know cost me anything until like you know I can have her until like me turns one and and, and, yeah, she just rings and just sort of checks in every now and again, which is really lovely. And, um, yeah, so I – when I think three or four – I can't remember, it was that, maybe three or four months, um, I just thought, you know, I'll – make it also easier on my parents and just sort of to give myself that, you know, I guess bit of a break. I just went back to mum and dad's um, where I'd sort of been yeah. living before. And, um, and I really noticed the shift in how, like, how – like, everything once I was there as well too so I think that I just I really just focused on me like mum was great like she took care of like a lot of other things like you know cooking and just sort of you know helping us washing all that sort of stuff and I just sort of felt for the first time I really settled in and not sort of worried um a lot about everything like you know I loved having her there like from you know the day I brought her home but I felt like I was still in that constant fight or flight, <laughs> that sort of worried, worried sort of phase. And, and she was so tiny still, like, you know, she was just, just, you know, she was in, you know, she went home in six zeros. Aww. Yeah. And then, so she was just this little dot. And so, yeah, it's just, um, yeah. So once I was sort of, yeah, back at mum and dad's for a little bit, it just, yeah, I felt like it took the pressure off myself just to and just relax and just enjoy her, and and I did. And you know, we had lots of naps on the couch, and you know, <laughs> that's led to her loving sleeping on me instead of sometimes in bed. But you know, it's okay. And so she's what almost nine months now. Uh, yeah, well, nine months is yeah. She's just born eight months at the end. Yeah, um, almost coming up to nine months. Yeah, so she's um, and we still do um because of her rough start as they you know said a lot um we still now just sort of phys- we do physio and we do um just all things that they um you know just want to make sure that she's doing all the things and also being crummy as well they um just yeah monitor her and just keep track of her progress just to make sure she's meeting milestones um and she's smashing all yeah she is she's doing great like she's she's probably more in line with her like corrected age so she's, you know, yeah. probably, like rather than some things she's she's not like, I mean, teeth, she got that, you know, really early. So I was like, that certainly wasn't at <laughs> her correct <laughs> age. But other than that, um, you know, with her, with her movements and, and things like that, she's, um, yeah, she's she's right where um, she should be, like, sort of in that 50 percentile, which, um, which is great. So, 
she just wanted to be out a bit earlier she did and and you know what um that saved her life and that was just for you being cautious because you didn't have movements so yeah i think it's that if anyone's pregnant at the moment never be afraid to talk to someone if you don't think something's right 100 percent. and and that's what the midwives always said to me they they sort of said to me it's it's there's nothing for us to check we would rather you be you know there's no point you sitting at home worrying and i think as well and that's again something that i would advise i would give to to anyone is even if you've had a bit of I guess, anxiety or an anxious pregnancy or worry, don't push it aside and think, oh, I'm just being anxious. So very dramatic journey. Is there any other advice you think of anyone that's going, embarking on, on this journey for themselves? Um, I think, um, well, first of all, if it's something that you're interested in, again, yeah, I, and, and I've heard others say it before, is, is just check where your fertility is at again, because that wasn't something... I even thought about, to be honest, until I got to my mid-30s. So, um, yeah, I didn't really even kind of know checking that was, you know, egg reserve or anything like that was a thing. So, yeah, so I would say that's the first thing. And then reach out to people, um, you know, because I know, you know, if anyone reached out to me, I'd be more than happy to, you know, give them some advice on, you know, where to start or what to do. So that's the other thing as well. Don't be afraid, whether it be social media or or whatever, just reach out, ask some questions. Is there anything else you'd want to say to anyone who's maybe on the fence about doing this? Um, we certainly won't regret it. Um, I don't. I don't think. Um, I think that it's you really do learn um, that you can keep going even when you think, oh, you know, sometimes when it doesn't, you know, it's not a straight line process. Um, or for me, it wasn't anyway. But you know, I just. Yeah, I'm so happy and thankful and grateful and all of those things that I, yeah, kept kept going. So I would say, yeah, you'll never regret it. So if it's something that you're even thinking about, start maybe, like I said, just like I did, just start a little bit, you know, getting checked in fertility and then having a chat to somebody and, you know, and then it'll all click if that's, you know, the way you're sort of supposed to, to go and, you know, you end up wanting to go. Thanks. Some great advice here. So thank you so much, Hayley, for sharing your story tonight. I'm Alicia and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.